I got a New Year's resolution. I'm hoping you guys can help me out with. Oh, oh, no. we Didn't go. we already determine that this wasn't something we wanted to do? Mm-hmm. No. Well, I'm listening to a lot more uh, podcasts. Listening to NPR. One of us. One of us. Well, and and so I've become obsessed with sounding smarter. Oh, whoa. Hold on now. Yeah, I've given up on being smarter, but I want to sound smart like the people that are interviewed on NPR. I'm sorry. Your New Year's resolution is to sound smarter? I want to sound smarter. You don't want to be smarter. You just want to sound smarter. You're not worried about actually being smarter. Listen, I'm realistic. (laughs) I I know I can only get so smart, but I know I can sound smart. (laughs) Okay. Well, here's how I'm going to do it. I've been listening to all these researchers and professors talk, and they all do the same thing to sound smarter. They start every paragraph with the word so. Like, Scott, ask me a question that a smart person would know the answer to. Okay. Mr. Geiger, what is the square root of 76? So to find the square root of 76, first you've got to look at all the prime numbers and figure out which one times by itself would be 76. You are the smartest man alive! (laughs) See? I knew I could do this! Because I don't know how to be smarter, but by God, I can sound smart. There's one other thing you can do. What's that? You can speak with a British dialect. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. Ask me another question that a smart person would know. Oh, I can't wait to hear this. (laughs) Mr. Geiger, thank you for joining us today. We're told that the water in Philadelphia (laughs) is exceptionally clean. Please uh, elaborate on that topic for us. So the question of the water in Philadelphia is often <laughs> is often broached by people that come from the Dasani Corporation in Coca-Cola. What the fuck are you doing? That's good. No. That is a British accent. That's a great <laughs> British accent. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Ask me. I'll show him how to do a British accent. All right, uh, Scott Kurtz. Uh, what is the circumference of the Earth? Hello, 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 governor. <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to listen to someone who starts with a low, low, low. (laughs) Cue the jazz, quick. You're listening to Surviving Creativity, the show all about following your dreams, becoming your own boss, and surviving the process. My name is Corey Cassoni. I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm joined by... Brad Geiger, and uh, also my good friend... Scott Kurtz. I'm going to cut those gaps out, and it's going to sound like we do it that way every time. Yeah. It's going to be so clean. So clean. So clean. So fresh and so clean. So clean. So fresh and so clean. Listen to questions. Listen to questions. So fresh and so clean. <laughs> I've been thinking about mm. a theme song for listener question episodes. Oh, okay. That's a great idea. And I think what we do is we all just start riffing right now until we come up with something. <laughs> 
<laughs> Did you know that coffee was a diuretic? It's time for listening to questions. We need to answer them before this coffee kicks in. Because I most certainly have the trots. <laughs> <laughs> I think we have a winner. <laughs> All right, we got it. Mm. All right, well. We got we actually got a, a lot of listener questions after the last listener question episode. And I am a hundred percent sure we're gonna spend this entire episode on one question. Really? It's a doozy and it's a good one. I knew you were gonna say doozy, because it's a doozy. <laughs> it is. <laughs> no, this question's good. Hunter from Twitter asks. On the show, you all present a progressive view of the comics profession. Yet, I know you have also collaborated with people who the net has deemed bad actors. Do you feel a need to distance yourself from those you once treated as friends in those instances? Oof, this is a question. I think it's a really important question today, too, because I'm seeing more and more polarization happening very quickly. Like someone says or does something. And for a lot of people, it'll become a, well, you have to choose a side because if you interact with that person at all, then that you're clearly an asshole. Yeah. You're, you know, you're just as bad as them. Right now, Brad's like, how do I talk about the fact that I'm still working with Scott? With Scott? <laughs> Well, I mean, in all honesty, I think it's a pretty good analogy for this well, before question. Before I start talking about my experiences, I, you know, Brad, I think you should talk a little bit about the fact, maybe not specifics, but you have been approached by people that are really upset that you still work with me. Yeah. I've only been working with you for five years and I'm still approached <laughs> by people that are like, why do you keep working with Scott? Corey, nobody cares about your experiences. Brad. It's true. It's true. Brad, tell no, us. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it, it, and, and to be perfectly honest and hopefully accurate, it's only happened like a small handful of times. Like, <laughs> like no more than three times. No more than three is still terrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not like people are coming up to me like every convention or, or you know, tweeting me constantly. How can you, how can you be friends with that monster? It's been brought. That's up. only happened once. Well, it's only <laughs> it's only happened a couple of times. But you know, my answer is always the same: is that somebody is not the same as his online persona. You cannot judge somebody by a single tweet or a single Facebook post. He's my friend. He's always been my friend. And without getting you know saccharine, without Scott Kurtz uh, a few years ago, there wouldn't be a Brad guy. Oh, I don't know that I agree about that. Yeah, well, this is a guy that that you had a big hand in keeping me in comics. And, no, I didn't. Oh, you you absolutely did. You were there for me at a, at a very very uh, crucial point. But listen, at some point, you just realize that the person you're talking to is completely invested in this opinion, and you kind of have to leave it at the old, we'll agree to disagree. Uh, he's my friend. I can't have you badmouth my friend while I'm standing here, and f let's find something else to talk about. So hmm, I've been thinking a lot since last night about how to approach this question. I think I have a good approach, but Corey, I, I, I want to go last. Okay. I want to dissect the question a little bit because I'll tell you, when I first read this question from Hunter on Twitter, I thought that he was baiting me. Mm. The, the show's 
primarily about being a creator in an age of new media technology. And if you've been around this at all, you know that there are people out there on Twitter whose primary goal it is to bait you into a conversation or situation. So initially I thought maybe, you know, this guy might be trying to to bait me because of my work with Scott. And I get that sometimes um, from people. My new trick with people, and try this out on Twitter, if you feel like somebody's baiting you, meet them in kind. Mm -hmm. He fired this question out and I said, that's a really good question. Like that's perfect for this, you know, for a listener question episode. We might even get a whole episode out of that. Thank you for that question. And he also responded in kind. So I think that he wasn't baiting. I think that he, you know, he was actually legitimately trying to ask a question to figure out how to deal with this maybe for themselves or just saying like, how do you, how do we deal with it? I think all three of us have in regular interactions with people that might be deemed by the net to be bad actors or bad people or whatever. For anyone not familiar, when Scott first started uh, in 98, would you say Scott or 99? Yep. 98. A lot of Internet personalities were sort of shock jock radio. Imagine Howard Stern mm -hmm. in the late 90s, right? You're talking about like heavily opinionated, flame war starting kind of personalities. But it's been 20 years and people change. But the internet doesn't go away. It's there forever. So what I've been noticing a lot of in this day and age are a lot of people that were like Scott in the late 90s, early 2000s, who personified these online blogger, super opinionated, shock jock, let's get a reaction kind of thing. They're, they're now sort of falling into two camps. Either people kind of mellow or they sort of keep going with it. Mm -hmm. There are still those people that are from that era that have got their little base and are now just kind of placating them as much as possible for clicks and hits. Yeah. The other thing that I notice a lot of is a lot of people will get called out on that old bullshit and one of two things happens. And again, this goes back to uh, Hunter's question about the net. Either they get a group of people who rally around them and go, that's not who this person is anymore. It's different now. Or... They get dogpiled. People that don't weren't even aware of them 20 years ago going, oh, I read that thing that he wrote in 1999. Clearly, this is a terrible person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Scott definitely falls into that camp of mellowed quite a bit and still catches an inordinate amount of flack for, I think, opinion, probably opinions you don't even hold anymore, Scott. I think that's, that's the incredibly frustrating um, thing. So looking at it internally and externally are two different things. So uh, the first thing I thought about when I read the question were people in my life who might be deemed by the net as bad actors. But then I also internalized it. So one of the interesting things about the democratization of content is that it used to be that professionals work w was not seen until it was polished. The development phase was done behind the scenes. Now it's done publicly. On your journey as an artist, if you're posting stuff, people are going to see the process. They're going to see you develop your style. They're going to see your mistakes. They're going to see your work that isn't as good as it's going to be when you're down the road. But what I don't think people take into consideration is that that applies to other things than just your art. And I know that for me, looking back, I did a lot of my development in public. And I went through my angry young man phase and I went through my insecurities brought on by anxiety phase. And then I graduated into my elder statesman phase. But it would have been nice just to <laughs> debut at elder statesman. Yeah. 
and have skipped all the rest. But uh, that all was public. And so Corey's right. You know, when someone goes, well, you said at one point that Kickstarter was people with their hats out. Right. A hundred years ago. And I'm like, yeah, I did say that like when it first started and it lasted a week because then Josh Lesnick came to me and said, yeah, but PayPal stopped letting people take pre-orders. You can't do that anymore. This is the only way to do Mm pre-orders now. And then I was like, oh, okay. Because PayPal instituted a new policy that said, if you don't ship it within 30 days, you can't keep people's payment without delivering them a product. Important to note too, that as an example, that actually happened. Someone grabbed a tweet from nine years ago. So I've had, I've had thoughts. I've had opinions. I've had attitudes that I've outgrown. And I know the people that were present for those attitudes. And I've had those attitudes weaponized against me. I've had two male adults write me long breakup letters, both telling me I was toxic. Mm -hmm. That's in my late thirties, early forties, that was happening. I think it's important to note too, that none of this excuses your actions at that time in your life. Oh, I'm, I'm not trying to promote that as a theme. I'm promoting the theme that I've been a bad actor myself. (laughs) No, and I know that. And I want to make sure that it's said though, because somebody listening to this might be like, well, he's just making excuses. But you know, you've since apologized for those actions. You've changed your opinion on stuff. You've posted about that change of opinion because again, you're as a creator today, your art and your personality, because now your fan base and your user base has direct access to that grows Publicly, all of it, a hundred percent of it. I've I've had multiple situations. I've had um, there are people that I avoid at shows. Some are because of relationships gone sour that happen, just because that's just the way life is. I've had relationships go sour because the other person was at fault. I've had relationships go sour because I was at fault. I've had relationships go sour because we were both mm. at fault. I mean, that's, that's just I mean, that's life. life. Yeah, welcome to being an adult. Yeah. It's rare. That and and rightfully so and hopefully so, it's rare that there's just a person that I have to say I can't hang around this person anymore because they're just a bad person. Mm-hmm. It's only happened once in my life that I just said this is bad, and I and I handled it wrong. My default is to internalize the conflict and talk to my wife or my close peers about it and get more and more and more and more upset. And then rather than talk to the person rationally about it as the offenses occur, I'll save them up. And then I publicly bash them. I've done it twice. Mm-hmm. And it ended badly twice. And it doesn't mean that I wasn't justified in being upset, but it doesn't mean that I was justified in publicly taking them to task for it. This is not the way you handle it as an adult. Um, you know, I was at Penny Arcade for the whole Dick Wolves thing. And looking back on it, one of the things that I did wrong during the whole Dick Wolves thing, and for those listening that may not know, God, how long ago was Dick Wolves? I don't know, a while. It, it's important to note, too, when you say I was at Penny Arcade, you were renting an office in right. their building. You weren't Yeah, I never worked for Penny Arcade. I worked adjacent to them. I rented an office there because I benefited from the creative environment and we did projects together. But I was there. I was in the office culture, uh, for better or worse, whether I was an employee or not. I was a part of the office culture. I was there. I was in the middle of it. Mike and Jerry did a comic strip making fun of of the fact that in WoW, when you have a quest, you only have to 
complete a certain number of tasks. And if the task is save slaves, you only need five. And then even though there are more slaves there, you're done. And they made a joke uh, that was a rape joke. And I was there for it. And the thing is, like, they they did not understand at the time. I can say this sincerely. They did not understand at the time why it was bad that they had done it. And because they were young and because they were comedians, they made a joke about it. They made a joke about being called mm-hmm. on it. There was a follow a follow up strip. There was a follow up. Yeah, and they kind of doubled down on it. Right. And 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 the criticism was when you make a rape joke, you kind of reinforce a rape culture. You kind of reinforce that it's okay to make fun of rape. It's okay that this is it kind of reinforces this concept that women are objects and and you're normalizing you know. it and you're making it yeah, and you're, and you're punching down and I mean there's yeah. a lot of things that are bad right. about it. And and at the time and in their defense they did not understand that concept at all nor did I. Uh, we none of us really had ever had to wrap our brains around it. I mean that's what privilege is about, right? I've never had to worry right. about it. I've never had to think about it. So it didn't connect, didn't grok. And so they doubled down and then they tripled down on it and, and made merchandise and stuff. And uh, everyone was just so terrified of the backlash that was happening. But I was there in the middle of it, watching them learn on the fly in the public being attacked I watched them go through it. I went through it. I remember tweeting, I don't know that rape culture is real. I don't understand what this means. I'm not convinced mm-hmm. it's real. Corey, I think you were there for that. I was. It, what was interesting is you figured it out a lot quicker. <laughs> and I think ultimately it was right after that that we left our uh, rental space in their in their building. Well, for different reasons completely. but Yeah, yeah. But wh- what I'm saying is I received a lot of criticism for not saying these guys are fucking assholes. They're monsters. You know, you're either you're either team rape or you're team uh, feminism and you have to choose. And which is it? And my response was, it's not as simple as that. Let let them figure it out. Like, give them a chance to figure it out. If they were just over in the corner going, fuck these bitches. You know, if they were just like Rush Limbaugh's Mm -hmm. or something, it would be one thing. But um, no, it was not an easy time. It was not an easy transition to enlightenment and understanding. And ultimately, I guess I'll never know what conclusion they ever reached in their heart, but I watched them head in the right direction. I watched them struggle with it. I watched them learn on the fly under Mm -hmm. fire. It didn't seem fair to me just to say, you know, fuck these guys, fuck them. They were young. They were stupid. They made mistakes. They were learning on the go. They were taking a lot of lumps for it and trying to maintain a company and dealing with people being, reasonable about it and dealing with people being very unreasonable about it. And I mean, I know they're very different now. So uh, we've, but we've been talking about this. I think that there are other things culturally that we're more experienced with and we have more nuanced responses to and things that are brand new, like this whole me too thing and the whole Harvey Weinstein thing. And it's all coming out and finally getting the attention that it should in the, um, now it's either, you're an ally or you're a predator. There's no in between. There's no, there's no nuance to it. You know, I feel like that's all topics when they first come out as look, this is something we need to address. Everything starts 
as, and Scott, you and I have talked about this a lot. Everything starts as a light switch. Yeah. You are for or against this horrible thing. There's, there is no in between. The, the light switch analogy I heard from Van Jones on CNN, he was talking about, he goes to prisons and he deals with, I don't know what he works, what he does at prisons, but he, he works with people that have done some really tough things. But there are a lot of things that these guys do that our culture, our society, our system handles nuanced and with a more dimmer switch approach. And it's because we've dealt with them for a long time. We have precedent. We have experience. And with this new stuff that we're just starting to address, there is no experience. There is no nuance. There is no, there's just fear and questions. And, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a light switch. But again, I think that it's, it's, <laughs> it's a case-by-case basis. I've also worked with people in the past where it became clear to me really quick that they weren't a good person and I was done. I regret the way I handled it. You know, there's a part of that that regrets not saying something publicly. But even now, in retrospect, I wouldn't know what to say or who to say it to. It's very difficult. I watched a comics pro do what, in my opinion, was sexual harassment. I watched a comics pro slap a model on her ass in a booth. And my first thought was, oh, he's married. Is that cheating? And then my second question was, well, she smiled back at him and they laughed. So are they having an affair? I was in my 20s and it never occurred to me that she's smiling because she's in a booth full of men and what the fuck is she supposed to do? Yeah. Yeah. And inside she's dying. And I'm just sitting there going, look at these two (laughs) terrible people. And I regret that. It didn't even occur to you at the time, yeah. No, I called my wife and I said, I think this person's cheating on his wife and I don't know what to do. What do I do? And Angie's like, you don't do anything. (laughs) What are you supposed to say? What are you going to do? But it's so interesting. That story is interesting because you did exactly the thing that a lot of people are calling out right now where like you turned what is clearly a terrible person doing a horrible thing in this issue into a thing about him. Because that, is where a lot of us are. You know what I mean? He did this wrongful act and your immediate thought was like, oh, he might be doing something bad in his relationship or whatever. Your your thought at the time wasn't, oh my God, this poor woman. How could he have done that? Instead of making it about her, you made it about him. If that happened today, your reaction would be 150% different. I would walk right up to her and ask her if she's all right. Yeah, and can we get out of here? And you'd probably tell the guy. To- well, I think I would walk right up to her and go, hey, I saw that. What's going on? Are you all right? And then I turned him and go, what the fuck is your problem? <laughs> yeah. I think there's a couple things in this question that we got to deconstruct. And I feel like we're almost there. But I wanted to ask you one more thing, Scott, because you brought up the stuff with Penny Arcade and the Dick Wolves. But I want to bring up the stuff with PVP and Francis, who for 10 plus years had a fourth panel gag where he would just lean into the panel and say gay. Gay. <laughs> yeah. Early on, when I first started doing some uh, work for you, I think this is a moment when I knew that like oh yeah, I can work with this guy for a long time, was when you were addressing that issue at the time because a lot of this stuff was coming out where it was like, look, you can't, that's a slur. You can't just throw it around. It doesn't matter if your gay friends use it. Like it's not, it's bad, right? It's bad terminology. And rather than do what I've seen some creators do who are doing a lot of virtue signaling right now and really trying to to change their past because they don't want to get called out on it, 
you went, I agree with that now. I didn't agree with it 10 years ago. I agree with it now. And we got to find a way out of this using the art and using the characters and using the whatever. And you did a really, really good storyline where Francis, the character, kind of learned what you, Scott, the creator, were learning at the same time. And I feel like that was such a good way to deal with that issue because it also means that the reader can learn something while reading. You've got this character who has this very catchphrasey, repeated gag who then at some point learns that that's terrible rather than go back and pull all of those strips, which we could have done and would have been really easy to do. And it's frankly is what a lot of creators are doing right now. They're going and removing work that is problematic, not just in comics and everything. I mean, you've got YouTubers deleting videos, you've got podcasters deleting episodes, you've got, you know, artists pulling pieces down. Like people are very concerned right now that they're going to get called out on the net as one of these bad actors. And they just want to remove that part of their life. Uh, instead, you went, hey, let's address this head on. I think you wrote a really nice blog post about it too. So there's two things in PvP that are, well, there's a bunch of stuff in PvP that's really bad, but um, I think my biggest, my two biggest glaring uh, sore thumbs is that Jade was the girl that likes games. Isn't that clever? Hmm. Wonk. She's the mother hen. She's the foil that crosses her arms and rolls her eyes. And um, the two biggest things were the objectification of women in my strip and Francis's uh, casual homophobia. And I did those things not to call out how silly they were. It wasn't to make fun of people like that or that Francis was a gamer and gamers are all homophobic jerks. I did it because I thought it was funny and I did it because I that's. The culture I grew up in. Yeah, right? you, did, Every, you did it because I, you were 24 or whatever and you weren't. No, that, I'm not. It's not just fun. that, but I'm I'm a kid of the 80s and I'm a kid of the John Hughes movies and the John Hughes movies. The the men are protagonists and the women are prizes and trophies. You know, I mean, some to some effect. Anyway, most of the movies of the 80s are that way. I did a strip where Francis thought he had gone forward in time to see the release of a new game. And he was a teenager. He was a really horny teenager. And he thought that his time machine worked and he was now in the future. And then he was going to go back. And she, uh, Jade said to him, well, you, since you're going to go back in time, nothing you do here matters. There's no consequences because you're going to go back in time, right? And Francis went, oh, that's true. And then he squeezes her boob. Like, I put that in a comic. Like, that's in my comic. And I had her quit over it. And she joined a feminist PvP clone. And I made fun of all the feminists over there, made fun of feminists. Look, I, that's the way I thought. I wrote those strips. And I had Francis, whenever anything sounded remotely or accidentally gay, in a very similar structure to that's what she said, if anything sounded remotely gay, Francis would stick in his head and go, gay? Which is funny because they use that joke in Community, where Ken Long's character goes, <laughs> gay? Oh, and it's, yeah. Yeah. Man, Harmon's been reading some <laughs> PvP. Whatever. Circa 1999. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was funny. And I did it because it was funny. And there's no other reason. And so, yeah, I now look back at that and go, I cannot believe I fucking ever wrote that. I cannot believe I had Francis. Not only that, when I collected it into a comic... I had Mike Waringo draw the cover of PVP 
and it was an old a parody of an old EC horror comic with Jade up against the wall and a big hairy hand <laughs> reaching for her breast. And it said, I was a teenage hormone. Like that was the cover of PVP at wow, image. That's terrible. Yeah. And we published it. And then another cartoonist, um, Chris Baldwin, he does oh, okay. space trawler now. Right. But he called me out on it and he said, Hey, I have friends that are victims of sexual assault and you're depicting a sexual assault. And I'm like, Oh, stop it. It's Francis and Jade know each other. And he's a horny teenager. And, how dare you accuse me of that? Like, yeah, I, and I've mm-hmm. since written him and apologized. Yeah. That's what I was talking about earlier. Like it, none of this excuses your past actions. No, but what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say to the person who wrote this question is I am one of those bad actors. I have been a bad actor. So I guess my question to you back to you is, do we look at people four dimensionally? What do we forgive? What do we chalk up to learning? And that's that's kind of in his question. That's his follow-up. How do we respond? Yeah, his follow-up is, do you feel the need to distance yourself from uh, from those you once treated as friends? Look, there's a difference between someone who says something that I fundamentally disagree with Mm. and someone who's sexually assaulted somebody. Okay. Yeah. Doug Tenaple is a Christian. His religion says that homosexuality is a sin. He probably believes it. But I also know Doug worked at a hospital and refused to wear gloves working with AIDS patients because it would make them feel less than human. In the 80s and the 90s when people thought you could get AIDS from anything mm-hmm. because the Reagan administration wouldn't let the CDC use certain words. Sound like anything happening now? <laughs> Sound familiar? Yeah. I guess when someone writes me and says, how can you be friends with or work with Doug to It's not like I won't tell Doug he's full of shit. <laughs> yeah. Or that his adherence to that old fucking religion is not managed to fix the world. Right. <laughs> or conjure up the plans of the missing plans of the death star. That's part of the answer to the second part of the question, which is, do you feel a need to distance yourself from those you once treated as friends in, in those instances? Sometimes. And, yes. Sometimes no. Yeah. I, I really, I do think that there are differences here. And for me personally, it's because We can spend all of our lives and our time polarizing and just going, you're like me, you're not, you're like me, you're not, you're like me, you're not. That's just as bad as, (laughs) as anyone else who does that on the, on what you deem to be the other side. But if I can't find some level of empathy with someone else, I can never open their mind to the ideas that are different. I mean, it's like with you, Scott, like it, it would have been very easy for you to maintain PVP how it was in 1998, 1999, 2000, if it were not for people, people that you knew, people that you met, people privately saying to you like, hey, you ever thought about this or you thought about that? I know you and I, and I'm sure you and Brad have had long conversations about a variety of things. Mm, sure. You know. Well, that's what's ironic about someone asking me, how can you be friends with Doug Tenable? Because Doug in his work has never done anything as bad as I've done in mine. He's never shown sexual assault. He's never had anyone make fun of gay people. Never. Mm. He promotes Christian themes in his books. Yeah, so did C.S. Lewis. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure. But what I'm saying is like, it's just, it's more nuanced than that. It's funny because like, I was thinking about 
So Will Wheaton and I don't have, we don't speak anymore. We're on the outs. He's like, oh, Scott Kurtz is this toxic person and I just can't work with him anymore. (laughs) And I was like, okay, wow. But there's a reason for that. I was a real shit. (laughs) Again, he had done things that upset me. And instead of talking to him about it, I was on someone's stream and I said a shitty thing about Will and it got back to him. He has every right to tell me I'm a dick. But like of all the things that went down between us, None of that was the reason that we stopped talking to each other. It's because I was a jerk publicly to him and he has every right to be mad at me. So like, it's just so more complicated than this person's bad and we've pointed out he's bad. And so we all have to distance from him. Yeah. Well, people are more than one thing all the time. And I think that Hunter's question is, it seems to be to me to be specifically about the net because he brings that up. Uh, the net has deemed bad actors. And do you feel you need to distance yourself from them in those instances? I think he's specifically no. asking about publicly, or at least that's how I read it, because you see that a lot online. It's like, yeah, well, you know, and we've even had this conversation. We'll be chatting about something. Oh, well, but you can't say that publicly, right? Because you would immediately fall into whatever camp that is that is that bad actor camp where you're like, I'm working through an idea right now and I might not be in the right place, but if I start talking about it online, it's going to go real south real fast. Mm -hmm. I think Sarah Silverman said it best. And I think most parents say it to their kids. No matter what you do, no matter how upset I am for at you or for you or scared for you, I will always love you. I will always love you. You'll always be my son. You'll always be my daughter. No matter what you do. Well, what if I murder someone? I will love you. I will be there for you. I don't want you to. I won't I won't be happy with you. Hmm. You can still love somebody and care for them and be furious with them. Mm-hmm. Sarah Silverman can still love Louis C.K. and be furious at him for what he's done. Yeah. They're not mutually exclusive. I can still love Doug Tenaple and hate his opinion on things. And it's because I love him that I will fucking argue with him until until Christ comes back. And proves one of us wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> but if you love somebody, you're not going to just dismiss them and to expect anyone to do that, to just cut them out of their lives and not support them is ridiculous. If you have a friend that is an alcoholic, do you go, well, alcoholism is bad. Fuck you. Good luck. I'm cutting you out of my life. Right. No, you don't do that. And thank God most people don't, because otherwise I'd be alone. <laughs> well, you also you also wouldn't have the opinions you have now about hot button issues, about homophobia and transgender and rape culture. And like you would not have these opinions had people just gone, well, he's one of them and just been like, oh, sorry, see you. That's that's a great point, because it seems like there's this real tendency, especially on social media, to pretend as if you've had a certain attitude or a certain opinion all of your life and everyone else is just catching up to you. When the truth yeah, of the matter is, on, on, on just about every important topic, if we're honest with ourselves, we all started at a very different place than we are now. And, and we got to the place that we are now, hopefully a better place, uh, through the experiences that we had. You know, and, and sometimes those weren't great experiences, but it got you to now. And through the people that we know. Yeah, what you said at the beginning of this podcast in jest, some people say with conviction, I want to sound smarter. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
And listen, woe betide the person that falls for that shit because a lot of people cloak themselves. A lot of wolves cloaks themselves in yeah. that sheep's clothing. Yeah. And I think the first part of the question is people that the net has deemed bad actors. So you've also got the court of public mm. opinion happening here, right? So I feel like the first thing that you as an individual have to address is, is it's like, well, okay, is this just some dogpiling bullshit or are we talking about a real situation here? Because I, I now see a little bit of both 24 seven. Again, mm. it's the light switch versus the dimmer switch, right? It's also a bunch of bullshit outrage culture too, right? Because if you find out Stan Lee has been accused of sexual assault, you, you can't do anything to Stan Lee, but you can Twitter Scott Kurtz and say, you're a Stan Lee fan. What do you think of this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and then getting mad at Scott for not answering correctly. Right, right. right. You know what I mean? Like it's bullshit. Yeah. I think the question, I think his specific question though is, is he's addressing some of the stuff like with, you know, with your old comics or with other people's old comics or with, you know, things that happen with people work with things that people say publicly or do publicly that then, you know, as a, as a friend of those people, you now have to deal with that backlash. You now have to deal with, I mean, it's one thing if it's Stan Lee and they go, Oh, you're a Stan Lee fan, but it's another thing if it was like me, you know, well, Mm-hmm. Corey said this publicly. What do you think of that? Well, now you're on the hook for it. I think you're trying to bait me. Go fuck yourself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whoa. Jinx. You owe me coke. I do. No, I mean, I, I think it's great that we're talking about it. Feels like the first step, right? Mm-hmm. To me, it's a nuanced situation. And in answer, in direct answer to Hunter's question, I think this is what I've come up with. I appreciate him saying that we have progressive views on our profession. Thank you. There are views that are developed over time, as we discussed. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I think that after 20 years, the odds of you having not collaborated with someone that has opinions that are not popular or that the at the net has deemed a bad actor are pretty slim. And I think in some cases you do need to distance yourself from them and go, whoa, I don't I just don't agree with that. That's not what I agree with. And I think in other situations you need to go, well, you know, so-and-so has their opinions and I don't agree with all of them. And, you know, hopefully I can talk to them and we'll, we'll help them learn. Yeah, I think the too long didn't read answer is condemn the act or the opinion, not the person. But also remember that some people don't want to be saved and some people don't want to change and some people are just jerks. And if you give them the benefit of the doubt, I mean, barring anything they've done that's obviously illegal monstrous uh it's okay to condemn the act and not the person and i don't like the idea that anyone has to be pressured to take a stand as if they're fucking campaigning for office it's it's yeah it's ridiculous Uh, life is just more complicated than that i mean i think ultimately i still believe that people deep down are good and i think most people want the same thing as all people want, which is to be happy and healthy. And no one likes this, sh- this kind of shit, but I am, I'm, I'm as upset with the culture surrounding the internet, this fucking uh, group think mentality, outrage bullshit. As much as I am any individual bad actor, I just, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. It's one of the reasons why I got off Twitter. Mm hmm. You know, just don't forget, Hunter, there are people on the 
internet, there are people on social media whose content, whose passion is manipulating people. Stirring up trouble mm-hmm. and and call out culture and public shaming and they get off on that stuff. Yeah. If you look at if you look at their feeds, you can see a whole bunch of that. And I I think it's it's about finding the balance between, you know, we do need to some of the stuff we need to air it. Like it needs to come out. Whenever anything is popular, there will always be the one guy that goes, hmm, I want to be the guy that thinks this is stupid. Uh, uh, I'm going to be unique. Yeah. I'm going to be the guy that thinks this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Brad? What do you think? What do I think? Well, geez, I, you know, you guys have summed it up very well. I, at my heart, uh, You know, I I am not a confrontational person. So my first reaction when a lot of this stuff starts happening is just to pull back. You know what I mean? And to almost kind of recoil from it. And at the same time, that's not necessarily good either uh, because, you know, sometimes somebody needs someone to step up and say, uh, you know, I hear you. That's that's wrong and, and stuff like that. So uh, for me, listening to you guys talk, the conversation internally that I'm having is, I guess, more one of courage to try to be uh, more active <laughs> you know, in certain times. Uh, but but aside from that, I don't know that w- what I can specifically add to what you guys have said. Do you mean courage with your friends? Like to, to go to them privately and be like, Hey, don't be, don't be an asshole. And it, well, yeah, in both ways, uh, in situations like that and situations, uh, like, uh, in, in the wider sense on social media, you know? Yeah. Do you have, do you have another game show for us to wrap up with? As a matter of fact, I do. Oh my God, he does. (laughs) (laughs) I want to redeem myself because I I listened to last show and it was just a crash and burn. So I've got, I've got, I've got another trivia uh, game show for you. Are, we, are you ready? Oh, oh. Mike, okay, I'm going to give you a choice. You can either have trivia mm-hmm. or you can have, uh, would you rather? I came up with some would you rather questions. Do you know about these? Would you uh, rather? Yeah. yeah. So I give you, I give you a, a choice. Uh, would you rather do this or do that? And then the answer is very telling. Uh, can we go back or, to or the one we learned? Or I've got a game show that you guys can play. No, do would you rather. Do would you rather. We tried a game show last week and it was terrible. Oh, okay. Oh, He's yeah, so I disappointed. <laughs> I know. I know. But okay, wait. G- give me, uh, listen to this one question I came up with you guys. And then I'll go there. Would you rather. Who was the legendary Benedictine monk who invented champagne? No, moving. Go to the would you rather. Are you ready for this? Dom Perignon. No. Isn't that great? Found it on the web. It has to be true. Okay. Get to the the would would you rather go back to age five with everything you know now or know now everything your future self will learn? Oh, nah, see, there's a thinker right well, there. Well, now, hold on. If I go back to age five with everything I know now, am I, am I actually time traveling or am I just turning into a five-year-old in the year 2018 with all my current knowledge? No, no, no. You're going back to age five yeah. uh, at, one, at whatever year you were age five and you get to move forward knowing everything that you know now 
yeah, as a five-year-old. Absolutely. Or that one. you can know now everything your future self will learn. No, no. go back to five. The latter. What? Really? And, and, no, now, why is that? Why? Well, if you go back to five and you're actually time traveling, you're going back in time, the opportunity to, and this sounds weird, but I, cause I've thought about this a lot because I read a lot of sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I would travel back in time and relive embarrassing or shitty experiences, but not change them. <laughs> but not change them? Yeah. And here's why, because I feel like a lot of people think that where they are now is terrible. And they need to do a little design thinking and realize that you're just on one of many paths and they're all perfectly acceptable and they all have pros and cons and it's whatever, right? So I would go back to five and just just do it all again with general knowledge because then I get to relive these interesting experiences, but with a with in my head going like, I know this will be fine. Mm-hmm. So but I get to remove find Shana again. No, that's what I'm saying. I do the whole thing the same again. How? How do you know you're gonna find her again? Well, as long as I, you know, go to the same college and do all the same stuff. I'm the one that has the ability to change things, not her. That's why I do it all. That's why I do it all the same again. You would go back and live everything exactly the same, but just in your head, you'd know it was okay. That's the one change. Well, like you could go, yeah. like I could go back and make sure I don't gain a lot of weight. I could go back and I could make sure that, uh, yeah, I would do better in school. I'd probably have a college degree. Not that I need one. I certainly wouldn't be as afraid of, of uh, quitting my day job, becoming a cartoonist, I'd have more talent. So I could PVP could start in 1998, and I'd be way ahead of the game. I could make a lot more <laughs> money during the UGO phases. I could skip MPOG completely. You know, I mean, I, sure, I mean, I, and I'm with that, you, but, but like, but but that means that means I got to go get a job at ASI Signs, which I could probably do. But what if I don't? How am I going to meet Angie mm. again? And I don't, I don't think there's, I don't think there's anything I can do to stop my mom from dying again. No. Don't want to live through that again. That would suck. Fuck you, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you wrecked it, Brad. You wrecked the whole podcast. Oh man. God damn it, Brad. I did Brad, my again. mother died. <laughs> I'm having a track record of bringing this show down in flames at the end. <laughs> what was the name of the guy that invented champagne again? <laughs> no, I'd much rather want to move forward with, with everything I'm going to know. Because think about it, Corey. Think about it, Corey, 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 Corey. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Mm-hmm. Think about it. You get to go back in time without having to go back in time. You're trying to traveling by gaining all the knowledge you have in the future, which means you can now invest in the next Amazon before it becomes Amazon. But here's the thing. Hear me out. The second, <laughs> the second you do that, you've changed the future and all your knowledge is bunk. No. Yeah. Well, no, no listen, what? because the knowledge, you know, about going forward is the knowledge you would gain. So like if Brad said, look, I will tell you right now, uh, I'll inject into you're your brain. my point. And when you go back, <laughs> you're going to fuck it up. I will oh inject in your brain everything that's going to happen to you no. for the next no. 50 years until you die. No. Uh, well, sorry, 107 <laughs> years until you die because that's how long I'm going to live. And I went, okay, cool. But the second I fucked with something, all the other knowledge from that point on would would not work anymore, would not function anymore. That's why well, I would go minute, back. That's true. Well, what do you think is going to happen when you go back in time? In the five-year-old scenario? Well, that's yeah, what happens when you go back go, in time and invest in Apple and Amazon, and now you're the richest man alive. No, but that's why I would go back and not change anything. I would just go back and relive it all. 
and just enjoy the experience. Because oh, you're fucking terrible. At this that game. would be no, no, I'm great so stressful though, because you'd be you'd you'd have to watch every step every day to make sure you did it the way you did it before. Um, maybe you that can't would, that do it. Very you stressful to me. There's no way you can live it. Not going to change it. <sighs> I mean, because I like where I am now, and I don't want to fuck anything up. <laughs> then just take your knowledge from the future and gain some extra cash. Ah, next, what? What would you? Okay, this, this <laughs> next one, what would you make uh, anybody upset? I promise. Would you rather have a golden voice or a silver tongue? My mother had a golden voice. <laughs> 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 A golden voice or a silver tongue? Well, I already have a silver tongue, so I guess I'll take the golden voice. Uh, yeah, silver tongue. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, golden voice, I could do things with. I could be the next Frank Sinatra or whatever. But the silver tongue, you, you can theoretically talk yourself out of any situation, out of or into any situation, and write anything. My comics would be amazing. <laughs> okay, here's the last one. Would you rather? Never get angry again or never be envious again? Never be envious again. I'd never get angry again. Yeah. I think, I think, wait a minute. Let me think about that. Because envy drives you to do better. Uh, like, yeah. if you know, I want my pain. I need my pain. <laughs> but if you, you know, if you're like, if you're envious of a, of, of someone else, then you can, you can stop and think about it and be like, why am I envious of that person? Do I, what, what, you know, usually, Envy has a lot to do with want. So it's like, what is it about them that I'm envious of? It's usually, well, I I wish I was as good as they are at fill in the blank, or I want the house that they have or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you can strive to do better at something. But anger is just, anger is angry. You're just angry about stuff. I think this is a real monkey's paw situation. I don't like any of these questions, but I would choose envy. <laughs> See, I I was kind of working under the concept that if you t- if you took away envy, it would eliminate naturally an awful lot of the anger because a lot of the anger is rooted in envy. Not for oh, me, God, rad. no. My anger is rooted in people being dumb. It has nothing to do. <laughs> I. I'm that's my secret captain. I'm always angry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always angry. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, it's like saying, what if you could never be sad again? That'd be terrible. No, I want to be angry. I'll, I'll give up envy. Hmm. Envy's kind of pointless. Eh. Mm. <laughs> I like envy. Yeah. You got another one? No, that's all I've got, unfortunately. What would you? Okay, I got one. What would you rather? Keep going or end this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I got a better one. W- would you rather end this podcast with a fucking game show or a goddamn would you rather? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying over here. <laughs> Cue the big band music. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Surviving Creativity this week. If you like what you heard, please join us at patreon.com forward slash surviving creativity and consider becoming a patron. Also, it really helps for all you RSS listeners out there if you give us a rating on iTunes. I mean, I would think oh, yeah. five stars. Five stars. That, you know, gimme. It's up to you. Yeah. Five stars yeah. minimum. I mean, like seven stars <laughs> if possible. That's the, is that the highest? 
No. Scott, no. seven. Seven stars. Yeah. Just click all stars. You, you, you see a star all over stars. there, you click it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week on Surviving Creativity. <laughs>